welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello. Hi, Broads. Hi, Broads. What a day. Happy Halloween week. I know. That's so exciting and so spooky. The weekend, kind of, I feel like there's already been celebrations going on. Well, I know. I haven't really participated in any Halloween stuff yet. Participated in too much. I know you went hard. <laughs> I always do around Halloween and I regret it every <laughs> single time. Every single time I've gone, I go to like half of the parties and I'm just like, I'm going to be sick for three weeks. Next year you know is going to be my year. I'm going to go ham with the Halloween. Yeah, parties. you have that post, you got to have that post baby shine going on. Oh, I'm where... going to be dressed up like a Playboy bunny. <laughs> Your girl is going to be, <laughs> mama is out. <laughs> mama's out. By the way, definitely bumped into some bras at a few parties. Really? Yes, and they were all just so lovely and fantastic. But I would just like to apologize if I did or said anything strange because I was hammered. Well, <laughs> so afterwards, after meeting them, and then I woke up the next morning both times, and I was like, oh, gosh, I sure hope I didn't say anything weird. <laughs> you're just oversharing about the podcast. You know, Probably. you're like, you know, things have been really weird with Becca and I lately. <laughs> We've been having a lot of problems. I don't know if it's going to keep working. I don't know. <laughs> They're just like, no, I'm, I literally, I'm like, I have no idea. So I ran into anything strange. I ran into some broads at Gray's, uh, open grand opening too, oh, which was cute. so sweet. Some broads they showed up and, and said, yeah, one girl in particular said she heard about the gym through the podcast. So. Oh my gosh. I Long Beach that. rising climbing gym in Long Beach. <laughs> Come visit. Um, okay. So, well, what a perfect day to talk about sex, which I think is maybe the most favorite topic for everyone. Everyone likes talking about on the pod, on the po- or everyone likes, maybe not everybody likes talking about it, but it seems like everyone likes hearing about bodies yeah. and sexuality and absolutely. And pleasure, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So today I'm super excited. We have Evian Whitney here Hello. in the studio. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Becca, um, I was telling you earlier, I think literally two weeks after we started the podcast, which will be a year in like a week, Becca was like, we have to get Evian on. I'm telling you, we have to, we have to. <laughs> and so I'm so excited that you're in town. And like, Oh my God, oh. it worked out beautifully. Oh my goodness. And um, numerous broads were DMing and they took a wild guess that it was Evian and people Which are excited. Which I love. That is so cool. Well, Me too. I, saw, I think it's because I said sexuality doula. Yeah. And I saw that you have that trademarked. On your Insta. Oh, no way. <laughs> you really have a trademark? That's it's, sick. It's in the process of getting trademarked. That's yeah. amazing. Well, yeah. I never have heard it before. So, no. yeah, I'm kind of the one that, that coined the term. So I figure, you know what? Before someone swoops in and starts selling sexuality doula merch, I need to get on it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's like the most incredible term ever That to the point where I heard it and I wasn't like, oh, that's a new thing. It was like, this like makes sense. I it's, feel so it. it. made sense to you? Oh, absolutely. Okay, that's good. Because some people are like, I don't know what that is. But also we both had children, so that might be, and are like familiar ah, with the concept of yes, 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 yes. So that yeah. might be why it holds a little more weight. Cause yeah. that's a term that's, I think, not mainstream popular quite yet. A lot of people have just heard it floating right. around. Very true, very true. Um, how did you come up with that name? And do you want to give a little bio of yourself yeah. too? Yeah, uh, so I'll just introduce myself again. I'm Evian Whitney. I call myself a sexuality doula. I'm also a sex educator. Um, I teach workshops. I'm the host of a podcast called The Sexually Liberated Woman, which I think is yes. how you yes. found me. Yes. 
and yeah, uh, sexuality doula. Actually, I was um, hanging out with a lot of doulas, like actual like birthing doulas at the time. And this was when I first started doing this work of like sexual liberation, sexual empowerment, working with people one on one. Uh, I was calling myself a sex coach at the time, but I never really resonated with those coach words. Coach is also kind of weird. To it's, it's just a yeah. weird word. And also when I was thinking about the work that I was doing, it wasn't just like trying to get people to achieve their sexuality goals. It was like so much of my work is emotional and it's spiritual. I often tell people that my work is a hybrid of um, like mentorship, counseling, therapy, having a conversation with one of your really good girlfriends and also there's that like coaching aspect of it too and so I was chatting with a friend who was an actual doula and she was you know I was just lamenting about how I hated calling myself a coach and she's like you know actually your work is very much aligned with the ways that doulas work with their clients like you're uh. really holding space and supporting people through this transition of like from here to here mm. you know and so the way that I describe sexuality doula is like you know just as doulas work with people through certain transitions like you know you have death doulas and birth doulas postpartum doulas um i work with people through this transition of like being in point a which is like sexual shame and getting them to point b which is sexual liberation whatever that looks like for them and i do that through like one-on-one um sessions with folks and also I, i feel like i dabble in with like I dabble in that with so many other parts of my work too like listening to my podcast there's definitely um elements of me doing that doula work within the podcast reading my Instagram captions like it's so much a part of of everything that I do yeah and I found you really interesting and compelling in particular because we talk about it all the time on the podcast and I'm sorry I'm sure there's listeners going like you guys always got to bring it back to your Christian you upbringing yeah. you got to oh bring it back I was raised Christian so that's so oh. listening to your podcast you know sometimes I um and even we have talked with people who kind of do similar work to you and it's always this thing of like well I I grew up in a very like open family and we always talked mm-hmm, about sex mm-hmm. and I just always knew that I was like this and blah 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 and and, it, and it, Beck and I are always like, can you explain to us what that was like? <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. me in particular, um, I, I I think we've talked about it. Maybe you had slightly less sexual repression growing up. Yes, um, yes. From my mother, everyone else. Yeah, not yeah so everyone much. else around, purity culture, all that. Yeah. But when you talked about your journey, it really resonated with me and I think would resonate, resonate with a lot of people because you've really come from that point yeah. a mm. to point b yeah and um, i mean i'm still unlearning that shit can i curse yes absolutely okay. yes. <laughs> i'm still unlearning that shit i mean it's like i mean i've been doing this work on myself for like god 15 years and there's still things that i am still unlearning i'm still trying to like decolonize out of myself there's things that i'm trying to like reclaim because so much of my own sexual autonomy and agency was stripped from me because Mm -hmm. of the things that I was taught through church, through my parents, through the culture outside that says, you know, your sexuality is only for the gaze of a man and and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think a lot of people will see me on the internet or hear my podcasts and think that like, I have made it, I'm at point B. And that that could be true for some, but like I like to say that I'm a lot further along in my journey than most. But like my 
liberation journey is ongoing, you know? And that might be forever. Yeah, forever, forever and ever. If anyone is listening and they're like, okay, sexual liberation, you get from point A to point B. It's like, no, sexual liberation is the journey. It's Mm. not the destination. Oh, and that's where the fun is. Yeah, (laughs) that's where the fun is. Like, I'm learning so much about myself, you know? Yeah, I love that. How did you start on that journey to begin with? How did you know you wanted to move from where you were at? I'm, I'm one of those people that really loves to just like dive deep into like my own shit. And I was realizing as I was getting older, like I was in my early twenties that so many of my friends were having these, what they would call them like expansive and beautiful sexual experiences with their partners. And that just was not the case for me. Like I was in a relationship with a guy who I'm still in a relationship with now. We were so compatible with each other. We loved each other. We had so much attraction for each other. But the sex for us was just like it it was lacking. Um, And there in some cases, like sex just wasn't happening at all because I had so much shame and also so much trauma that I had experienced in my life that I really hadn't taken the time to sit down and work through. And uh, I just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Like, I'm so tired of not being able to feel what it feels like to be sexually free and sexually expressive. And like, what does it even mean for me to be sexually liberated? And so I started asking myself those questions and then began to uh, just sort of live how live out those answers. Um, And it was really messy and I really wanted to document it. So I created the blog that I have now. Previously, it was called Sex Love Liberation. And I started Sex Love Liberation because I really wanted to just like chronicle this journey that I was going on to unlearn all that shit and uh, find my way into grown ass adulthood um, when it comes to uh, a grown ass sexuality. And um, shortly after I started writing all these essays where I was parsing out my own feelings and my own shames, people were asking me like, hey, so how can I hire you? Like, I really want to like work with you. Do you do workshops? Are you going to write a book? And I was thinking that these people were crazy because, I mean, I was just starting my journey and I was like, how, why do people care about what I have to say? I'm not an expert. And um, yeah, people continue to ask. And I was working with a mentor at the time and she was like, you, you are such a, a healer. You have such a gift for this. You're so intuitive. She was also like a psychic. So she, I think she could foretell like what was going to be happening, Mm. like, you know, in, in the future with me doing this work. And um, she's like, just go for it. Just try it. Like, do some sessions with some people. See how you like it. If you hate it, don't ever do it again. And so I did. I tried. I, like, did maybe, like, 10 sessions with people. I was like, man, that's got to be such a stretching for, like, in terms of confidence. Like, I'm going to (laughs) let people pay me. Well, it took me a while, actually. Like, um, it took me maybe a year of people constantly asking me, like, when are you going to coach me? When are you going to do sessions? And I kept saying, like, nah, I'm not really into that. Like, I want to focus on myself. And then that's when I started working with my mentor. And she was like, you know, you should at least just consider it. Like, you don't have to jump all in. Just give it a try. Um, She was very adamant about me paying or not paying, having other people pay. Because at first I was like, I'll just do them for free. And she's like, no, no, no business transaction like you are a healer you have gifts you're offering something Mm -hmm. exactly and there needs to be that reciprocity of like um and also just like that commitment for people to be like i am paying for this and that really um it it shows a, a certain amount of commitment and like um yeah just this a sense of permission that you're giving yourself mm. as opposed to 
you know, when you're just like, I'll do this for free and see what happens. Well, you you're know? also not yeah. setting boundaries for yourself. So exactly. the more people ask from you, you might find yourself stretching exactly more than you bargained for. Exactly. So the, the thing that I did to like, cause I was so uncomfortable with like charging money for something that I wasn't even sure I was going to be good at. I kept the price really low. It was like $15 an hour. Yeah. And so I do hour long, se- long sessions and, um, I think I, I did my first three and I was like, holy shit, I love this. I oh. actually tell people that when I do this work, I feel like I'm channeling. I don't know how woo y'all are, but yeah. like, it really feels like, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like I'm tapping into like inherent wisdom that intellectually I don't really understand until I'm in a session with someone. And it's like all of this fierce, like mama bear energy comes out for me. And I'm just like, okay, this is what, what needs to change. Like you are such a badass. like stop making yourself small, stop mm. silencing your voice. And, um, yeah, I've been doing uh, one-on-one sessions with folks for maybe like six, six or seven years now. And wow. it's, I mean, I, I adore it. Wow. That's awesome. That yeah. is amazing. Well, I want to hear about like how it started for you when you're talking about being raised in a conservative home and kind of like what that dynamic was like. Yeah. Um, but before we hop into that, I know. <laughs> let's talk about the like, cats for a second. Let's talk about the cats. <laughs> no, I actually wanted to ask you about your cats and how they're doing. Oh, they just got spayed last week. And so they've got little cones on their head, which is really Aww. dramatic. They're getting like food all over the place with their cones stuck in. Anyway, babies. That's not what I'm going to talk about but, right now. I'm going to talk about pretty litter because Yes. That's the litter we're using for the cats right now. <laughs> and it's Kitty Litter 2.0. It's shipped right to our door in a small, lightweight bag that lasts us the entire month. Yes, no more of those panicked pet store runs to grab more no. litter. The incredibly large, open bags of litter that just, like, sit in your closet oh, they, are just disgusting. They take up so much space. Yes. Um, and by far the worst part about being a cat owner is dealing with the litter, I'm not going to lie, because it's messy, it's smelly, it's heavy. And conventional cat litter is really gross, but not pretty litter. It has next-level odor protection can't smell it throughout the house at all Mm -hmm. it uses super absorbent crystals that actually trap and conceal odor and moisture so there's no smell and no mess and you can forget about that dirty clay or compost that's super nasty to clean up the best part about pretty litter is it even monitors your cat's health this is my favorite part pretty litter changes colors to detect underlying illnesses before urgent medical care is needed saving you money stress and potentially your cat's life Honestly, if you are a cat owner, you have to use Pretty Litter like you have to. Small bag, lasts a whole month, delivered to your door, best odor protection, crystals, not clay or compost, and health monitoring. When you get Pretty Litter, not only are you doing what's best for your cat, you're also doing what's best for you, okay? It's cat-owning game-changer. Do what I did, make the switch to Pretty Litter today. Visit prettylitter.com and use promo code CHATTY for 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com. Promo code chatty for 20% off prettylitter.com promo code chatty. Okay. So back to the conservative upbringing. Was this then something that were you raised Christian? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I was, I was actually talking about this, uh, over the weekend because it always happens whenever we're talking about sex, religion comes up because there's so much religion, religious trauma around sex. And, uh, they were asking me like, so how, like what was, your denomination. And I was like, well, technically Protestant, but like, I feel like my parents pulled from all different kinds of denominations. So there were some parts where they were really, really, um, flexible. Like we listened to secular music. Um, and you know, my parents drank alcohol and, you know, we, we could dance Mm -hmm. and and things like Mm -hmm. that. But when it came to certain things like my body, 
sex. They were very, very strict. That's how mine was too. Yeah. Particularly on sex and relationships. There mm-hmm. was always some sort of little lecture going on about right. that. Like could not escape it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was raised in this way. First of all, I signed a purity contract when I was like, I think eight or nine. Did you get the uh, ring too? I didn't get the ring oh. because I wanted the ring <laughs> so bad because all of my friends had purity rings and they yeah. were so pretty. And I was like, fuck, I really want to marry Jesus too. <laughs> but we were too poor. We couldn't, we couldn't afford it because they were so expensive. And so the purity contract was sort of like the way to have the purity ring without the ring you know and I actually signed two I signed one that came with like this um like a certificate that you could frame and then a couple years later I signed another one I don't know why I signed two but I signed (laughs) another really make sure they really wanted to hammer it in especially with this with with this round because um they had a large version and then they also had cards laminated that you could put in your wallet and to get handed to someone, or like or just mm-hmm. like open your wallet <laughs> and remember, it. like, oh yeah, that's right. I had the I had the wallet one. You too. did. I oh did. my god! Yeah. It is so good to talk to <laughs> people who like... understand a purity contract because I talk about this a lot in my own journey, and people are like, "What the fuck?" Oh is that? yeah, no, I'm that. like paying for frozen yogurt, and I'm like, "Fuck, I forget I have to be pure." Yeah, <laughs> you're always reminded. It, I think that's why they did it too yeah. because they really wanted because like a ring you could take off, but like how often are you using your wallet? You. Mm-hmm. No, like it's such a I don't know I just feel like it's really sneaky it's such a great really way to be is. like hey remember you married Jesus it really is. you know the crazy part about that too is that I remember at least for the first one I can't remember if this happened for the second round but my dad actually co-signed it and I always thought that that little piece was really really fascinating that's heavy yeah and fucked up yeah you know like this notion that like your father your like spiritual father but also like your parental father is the one that that's sort of like holding guarding your sexuality guarding mm-hmm. your sexuality you know mm-hmm. and i actually when i um so i <laughs> i signed the purity contracts but i didn't stick with them uh because i i started having sex when i was 15 and i was um in a relationship with a guy that i really loved and the way that i sort of um, made it make sense in my head was like, well, we, we're going to get married. So like, and God is love and we are in love. So like God should love that we are in love and I we're like showing that. our love mm-hmm. for each other. And so, um, but because I wasn't given comprehensive sex education, I was being very stupid and I was having a lot of unprotected sex and I was having pregnancy scares pretty consistently. Um, and, I was very alone. Like when I think about this time, like I didn't have any friends to talk to because not, not just because I didn't really have friends that I felt safe and comfortable with to talk about, but also I don't really feel like sex was really talked about in that way amongst my friends. Absolutely. It was like, there was a, there was sort of this assumption that everyone was doing it, but no one would talk about it, Mm -hmm. you know? So I was having these uh, pregnancy scares, and one time I had a pregnancy scare so bad, I think it was, um, I was like two and a half weeks late, and I was freaking the fuck out, and my ex-boyfriend was like, and we were too young, like we couldn't buy pregnancy tests, apparently mm. you have to be 18 and over to buy a pregnancy test what yeah really yeah 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 absurd yeah one time actually i think this was when i i had like when i thought i was pregnant he went and bought uh what he thought were pregnancy tests but they were ovulation sticks (laughs) (laughs) and so like we went we were like he drove he got it we parked in like this uh school parking lot i was peeing (laughs) in it it was and we're like why isn't it working and then we realize it's an ovulation stick 
Um, and anyway, so, um, yeah, we had, we hit a point where I was like, I have to tell my mom, like I have to tell my mom because I need to get a pregnancy test. (laughs) I'm having secondhand panic for you right now. It was so terrifying. Well, so I told my mom, my mom was not happy at all. She bought me a pregnancy test. She was really disappointed. Oh, so you told her, I think that I'm pregnant. Yeah. I was like, I've been having sex. I think that I'm pregnant. I need you to buy me a pregnancy test. She was not happy at all. Um, and I bought the pregnancy test. I wasn't pregnant. And I told her, you cannot tell my father, like, Mm -hmm. please, if there's anything that you could do for me in this lifetime, do not tell my father because I knew he was going to freak out. She told me she wouldn't. She told my father, of course. (laughs) Um, and so, uh, I, I, I think, you know, my dad just figured out like, Oh, pregnancy scare. She's having sex. (laughs) She's not a virgin. And, um, I think I, I saw him maybe a day or two after my mom told him he was acting really weird with me. And, um, he called me into like the living room and he was like, I know that you've been having sex. I'm so disappointed in you. And he didn't speak to me for two weeks. And I still have like that trauma attached to the idea. And I'm sort of linking that back to the idea of my father co-signing my purity. It was like, he wasn't disappointed in me because I had, I was really stupid and I didn't use protection properly. He was disappointed in me because I had lost my virginity. And I think about that a lot in terms of how like we see men in our society as being the protectors uh, and the ones we should be saving our virginity for and how fucked up and weird that is. Especially coming from a family member. I actually had a fairly similar experience where I was home from college and I had my birth control. And so my mom and dad called me in, both of them, into their room and I was sitting on their bed and they go, are you sexually active? Like we found your birth control. Wow. And I wasn't going to lie. So I yeah. just said, yes. <laughs> and my dad like just shook his head and closed his eyes. And my mom was like, how, Becca, how can you value yourself so little? And my Mm. dad got up and walked out of the room and drove somewhere for a few hours because he was so pissed. And yeah, and it was a very similar thing where he like could not talk to me, could not look at me. Isn't that strange? As if like some, not only that I somehow don't value myself, but then my value was somehow lost in his eyes. Yes. Yes. Like that's And that's so a story crazy. that is really common. I mean, maybe not from women and femmes who have lost their virginity and their parents find out, but like this feeling of being ostracized within themselves for losing their virginity. I really wish that we could like figure out a different way of saying that. It's just so much in my vernacular. Oh no, for sure. Of course. And losing, you're losing something like it stumbled out of your hand and you can't regain it. Like Like it was a fucking accident. Right. (laughs) I mean, the thing that like really, really liberated me was, uh, I can't remember where I read, when I read this or where I read it, but it was just when I started to really unpack all of these like traumas and wounds around my own sexuality and, and stuff like that. I read about how virginity is a concept, like a social construct that was created to basically keep women docile and um, uh, subservient subservient, and um, to keep them sort of on a like, okay, because I mean, I didn't really, I don't know about you, but like I never really saw the boys around me signing purity contracts. Oh, no, we always talk about what would happen was in like at the church camp, the women would get pulled away. (laughs) The women would get pulled away and you'd be like, 
you know, stay pure for your husband. Um, you know, remember like be hot, but don't have sex, yes. but you got to stay hot for him. And then the guys get pulled away and be like, don't watch porn. Mm-hmm. Mm, but it was never yes. like, don't have sex. It was very my, much my focused did, on don't have porn. My family, my family was like, my brother did go on a trip with my dad for the weekend where he did do something called passport to purity. And <gasps> so we did, what? so we did, we did do it in, in our house with like both men and yeah. women like purity. But when my dad found out my brother was having sex, it was a conversation more of like, Joel, I know you're having sex. Right, right, right. right. So like, be fucking careful and yep. that was it yeah yep. i think that's what i mean more with like the the pornography thing like right. i know in in my community too it was like the guys are like you shouldn't but it wasn't like this thing that was something to grieve over right that's what you right. know the men mo- the morning a, a morning there was a the morning of their virginity right. like exactly. it is like it was with the women exactly yeah. even that term i feel like i very rarely heard associated Mm-hmm. with men is losing their virginity what like around even, me even purity that's like so right. heavy to talk mm-hmm. about someone being pure right mm-hmm. and then after then you're you're not pure anymore it's so ridiculous mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. ridiculous and it was really liberating for me to um to really let those stories go and to to say that like okay virginity was literally made up there is no such thing as virginity i mean there is such thing as you haven't had sex before and yes. then you have sex eventually. Yes. But this whole notion of like you, uh, you have this virginity that is taken or given to someone is just, mm. and yeah. with penetration. Right. Exactly. Particularly, which yes. is so ridiculous. Like because we, I, we would have people in church who were like, I'm a virgin, but oral. they were totally having oral sex. <laughs> that was me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was me. I even still to this day find myself stumbling verbally over the term um, like virginity when I think about like a certain types of penetrative sex versus oral, because mm-hmm. I literally, I was so inundated with that, that I'm just like, Which but I, so was, I was a like, virgin. <laughs> I'm like, I was a virgin. I'm like, bitch, you, you had a dick oral in your sex face. Like- constantly. <laughs> what are you talking about? But like, it's so, it, it's so present. You it was know? just crazy. And yeah. in some ways, yeah, anyway, we can get into all of that, but um, yeah. So when did you step out of that? Oh man, I th- I started stepping out of that. Um, actually, it started when I decided that like Christianity was weird and I didn't really want to be involved in organized religion. Uh, and that started happening right around like 17, 18. But I was in my like early mid 20s when I started doing this work of like deconstructing, dismantling all of the things that were keeping me from not being sexually free and really taking a really, really honest and good look at like the hard parts, the things that I had um, experienced in my lifetime regarding sex and sexuality, the traumas, the triggers that were around that and calling them for what it was like, um, I should say trigger warning for non-consensual sex and rape. Um, I, as I said before, I was in a relationship with someone from the time that I was 15 to 18 and, um, we were in love. We thought we were going to get married. And once more, because I didn't have comprehensive sex education, no one was talking to me about consent. Like no one was talking to me about what it looked like to be in a consensual, healthy sexual relationship with someone because the narrative was just don't have sex, you know? So I was having sex and I was in a relationship with someone where at the time I was like, Oh, this is normal. This is like what everyone does, but getting out of it and actually talking to someone else about what I was experiencing. He was like, that is rape. Like what you were going through, like basically my entire 
relationship with this guy was not the sex that we had was not consensual because I didn't know that I had a voice. Like I didn't know that I was allowed to say no, because even within the Christian religion, they're taught so much or you're taught so much about how you need to like please your man and sort of what you were saying about be hot, but don't have sex. Mm -hmm. Like I, it was really built into my head that sex was a way that you you kept your man and sex was a way that you uh, showed your love for him and men have needs and all of these things, which is, as I'm saying this, it's so wild to me to think that I was 15, 16 years old playing like I was grown and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but when I realized that like, holy shit, my whole sexual identity up until that point was founded on bullshit and violation and a lack of my own voice and autonomy like I it was really it was a really really tough time for me to really think about how like holy shit if someone would have told me I would have saved myself so much heartbreak and so much trauma and so much um bullshit because no one actually sat it would have been so nice if someone said a couple of things to me when I was young like hey if you're gonna have sex use protection. Like if you can't use protection, here's birth control. And here's what it looks like to be in a healthy sexual relationship. If someone is coercing you to have sex, if someone is guilting you to have sex, like that's not love, that's not healthy. And man, I would have, oof, it would have been such a different experience and if someone had that. And unfortunately, even people growing up in quote secular households a lot of times have no right. idea what it means. Right. And, and I didn't even realize until a couple years ago that, like you said, the guilting of, mm -hmm. like, you're hooking up with a guy and he's like, I'm going to get blue balls and, like, all oh, that stuff. I was about to God. say blue balls. I was yeah. like, yeah. And yeah. I definitely have had plenty of sexual experiences where I was like, man, I fucking, I don't really want to do this right. right now, but, I mean, I'm going to. And also, you don't want to be the bitch. Right. And you don't want to be the, like, maybe you like the yeah, guy. Don't lead so, him on. And right. maybe you want him to like you. So you're like, well. Or the whole notion of, like, don't be a tease. You're such a tease. Yeah. Like, you've been flirting with me all day and now you don't, you don't want to suck my dick. And it's like, well, actually, Or even no. we talked about mm -hmm. doing that. Right. And now you don't want to. Right. What's, it, what's up with that? <sighs> I know. So much, so much heavy shit. And, like, when... It, I think one of the best parts about my journey has been going to therapy to really help me like unpack that shame and trauma because it's not enough to just be like, okay, that happened to me and I don't believe in that shit anymore. And now I'm going to be more consensual. Like there was violation done to my body, you know, and like that stuff doesn't just heal itself on its own. Like I have so many core wounds that are, uh, surrounded by all of those things, you know? So, um, I, I highly recommend even the clients that I talk to because sexual trauma comes up a lot in my work. I would say like, I've had, Ooh, I've had a hundred, hundreds of clients at this point, And almost every single one of them has had some for some form of sexual violation happen to them. Whether or not they re maybe recognize exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes we'll be in sessions and there I'm listening to them talk about their experiences and I never name something because like it's up to them to sort of self-identify and to claim their own story but in my head I'm like yeah that's trauma like yeah that was violation and so I am equipped to be able to like walk people through the identification of that and beginning to like do some self-acceptance and um, self-forgiveness around that but that's kind of where it ends and I'm always telling my clients, go to therapy. This, <laughs> this work is so great in conjunction with going to therapy because it's, it's really important to get that 
sorted out. And you, know? you also don't, we talked about this last week when we were talking to Noor Jahan about like the non-linearness of trauma yes. and how you yes. never know when that shit's going to come up. Right. And it may come up for me. A lot of stuff came up when I was pregnant mm. and like a lot of yep. random other trauma comes up now that you think you're over. Yeah. Trauma 10 years weird. later. Trauma oh, so yeah. weird. No. And like, that's the thing too. It's like when you're talking about therapy, I feel like that is so important because I do feel like we have people on here who talk about healing, but it's so good always to have that coupled with therapy. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of therapy. I've been in therapy since I was 15. So it's like I and I don't really see that as a weakness. I actually see that as an addition to help me heal and help the things that I'm already doing, Mm -hmm. you know, so I highly recommend it's a booster for whatever other Mm -hmm self-work you're doing at the moment right because if at any like there can be any moment where I get triggered I mean I was triggered recently when I had sex with my partner a few months ago and I was like holy shit I thought I was done with this stuff you know and to be able to be like great I have a therapy session in a couple days we're gonna sit down we're gonna (laughs) unpack it like it's just really nice because for me I was I was suffering in silence for so long you know so to be able to have that kind of support um, especially with the work that I do, I, I give so much to people. It's really important that I have someone else who can like hold space for me. Mm-hmm. You know, how does your family feel about what you do? <sighs> Are there conversations surrounding what you do? With yeah, your you know, not well. More so these days because I feel like my work is uh, being elevated in ways that it hasn't been elevated before, which is awesome. Um, in the beginning, when I started doing my work, uh, my parents were not happy about it. They were just like, actually, I think my dad said, you're leading people into sin. Because I had written an article talking about like how it's okay for women and femmes to watch porn. And like being very open about like, just like they say, men are visual creatures, so am I. Like <laughs> yeah. That being fed in, now, that is so funny you, you know? say that. Because that was such a thing, like men are very visual. Yes. Okay. Yes. Women, not so much, but men. Yes. You know, right? I'm like, men need the visual stimulation <laughs> and women, you're just supposed to like yeah, manufacture I don't, I these just, things. Uh, yeah, I just can imagine everything. I don't need anything <laughs> at all. doesn't matter who the fuck yeah. you're having sex with, okay? You're not as visual. I don't like whatever. watching movies. I just like reading books. Yeah. You too. You know, Although I do way. know women who are more like that you know they're like i prefer reading erotica or like this other kind of stimulation rather than you know yeah yeah different for everyone but yeah he saw that article and he was like you're leading people into sin and i'm just not happy about it and i'm just like whatever i don't give give a fuck i actually don't really talk to my father all that much Mm. so um but my my mom she's always been kind of like i don't know about this but (laughs) lately over the last couple of years um she, I think she has been really benefiting from the work that I do because we've been talking about it more. I actually had her on my podcast a couple years ago and, um, the shit that came up in that conversation. Did you listen to that? Episode? I think I started it recently actually. And I don't Ooh. think I got through it, but I think oh, I was going back. God. Yeah. So I, I wanted, I really, really wanted to have a conversation with my mom. Cause I was really curious about how she was brought up sexually and the lessons that she was taught and, and the, the myths that she believed in and, and things like that. And, um, I, I had a, kind of a direction of where I wanted that conversation to go. And it went a completely different one. And, yeah, she told me some things about my her relationship with my dad. and um, Are they still together? They're not together. Okay. No, they're divorced. So I'll just like, spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't <laughs> um, watched or listened to the episode. But um, I was told that my mom had been a virgin when she met my father. And actually, when I told 
then that I had had sex, that was one of the first things that my dad said. He was like, your mother was a virgin and you weren't able to. And I, I just felt like such shit. Spoiler alert, my mom wasn't a virgin. And so I didn't know. Did he know, know that? Wow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. They had sh- my, my mom and my dad had had sex together. My mom, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like, I didn't know that. We're having this conversation. And I'm just like, yeah, so you were a virgin when you got, you know. when, when And she was like, for, no. She was like, no, actually, I wasn't. And I was like. Like, excuse me and my sister my sister was sitting down too because we were we were on the coast we did like this mom and daughter weekend and it was so so cute and so great and my sister was sitting across from us and she was nodding her head because she knew my mom had told her were you pissed i was livid yeah i was so mad and yeah. actually part of that episode is me processing that information and then also realizing like holy shit, all of this has been founded on a lie. Because that was the whole reason why y'all gave me so much shit about it. Because, like, your mom was a virgin when she got married. (laughs) And it's like, oh, so really? Co-conspirators. Yes. (laughs) And what was really beautiful about that episode, though, was how healing it was. Like, my mom apologized profusely Mm. within within that episode. And so much of the reason why she kept that lie up, she even told me that when she found out that I was having sex and she ultimately told my dad, she's like, I really think that Evian needs to know. She needs to know that I wasn't a virgin and my dad wouldn't let her. So it's like realizing how and deep. And he threw that, oh mm-hmm. my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they had that conversation. He's like, no, 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 I'm nope. using this to shame her. Yep. <gasps> yep. Which is like one of the reasons why I don't talk to my father. But uh, to answer your question about like how my, my family takes it, my sister's so cool. My mom, I think because of that conversation that we had on my podcast, it brought so much healing for me and for her that I feel like we're able to, I I feel like we're a lot closer and, and she's able to, I think she really respects my work in a, in a way that I don't think she would have if we hadn't had that conversation, you know? It's amazing. You want to take a quick break before we do a sure question? Sure. Uh, You're like saying stuff and I'm like, Oh my Lord, my mom kind of did the same thing. And (gasps) I'm just like, Oh shit. (laughs) Call her out. No, just kidding. <laughs> Let's call her right like, now. We're put her, put her on speaker. No, no, we've 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 had now good conversations since. But I'm just like, oh lord. Um, okay, well, um, I'm just thrilled to be talking to you about this next sponsor for this specific episode because we're chatting about sex and we want to talk with you guys about our most favorite arousal lubricant out there. O Shot by Omax. Oshot was developed by the awesome female-run team at Omax Health. This arousal oil instantly heightens sensation and arousal with an all-natural blend of eight botanicals and full-spectrum CBD, and it's naturally delicious delicious (laughs) and fully edible. And the formula is 100% pure with absolutely no chemicals. Most arousal uh, lubricants typically have just one ingredient that will provide a sensory feeling like hot or cold to stimulate arousal. Most are synthetic, have that unpleasant taste or scent and contain chemicals and additives. O-Shot CBD arousal oils, eight natural botanicals provide sensory tingling and promote multiple physiological effects to increase stimulation, circulation, arousal, and lubrication. The full spectrum CBD can help increase relaxation, circulation, and euphoric sensations. And a base... Yeah, you get it, girl. <laughs> and a base of organic liquefied coconut oil also helps improve lubrication. And it's easy to apply, no mess, airless pump. Also, TSA compliant size, meaning you can be a satisfied broad abroad. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's also, yeah, I mean, like we've talked about, we're both kind of sensitive to lubes. Yeah. And this one, 
does it for me. I mean, doesn't irritate me, but does it for me. Yeah, it does And both. also, <laughs> it, you know how things are like edible? Lubes are, quote, edible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It actually tastes fine and yeah, pretty good. Yeah, typically like the edible things, like I try it and I'm like, well, that's disgusting. Disgusting. And it's really nice. No, this is a nice little topper on the cake. I... Uh, I don't like that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, whether you're single or looking to spice up your relationship with more satisfying sex, everyone can benefit from a more enjoyable orgasmic experience. Omax O-Shot comes to the rescue and provides heightened sexual sensations, gives you the instant and long-lasting satisfaction you've been looking for, and it's 100% safe and natural. Go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code chatty to take advantage of this incredible savings. O-M-A-X-Health.com and enter code chatty to get 20% off O-Shot and all Omax products site-wide. You know what I like to have sometimes before a good orgasm is a good drink? Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, it, it's, I, I like it. I like my, you know, my wine. Like nothing can kill the drink mood though more than if I take a sip of that beer or White Claw and it's warm <laughs> or worse. Total it's room temperature, you know? Well, luckily, I never have to worry about that dreaded room temp again, thanks to Brewmate. Brewmate's stylish insulated drinkware is designed to keep your favorite beverages ice cold all day long. Whether your tastes are in beer, wine, or spirits, Brewmate makes sure every sip is perfect temperature. And when I say all day long, I mean all day long. You take Brewmate's hopsilator for beer or wine silator with your beverage inside to the beach all day long and if you take a sip when the sun is setting it'll still be cold it will still be cold i love my wine slater and uncorked wine glasses i use them all the time on picnics at the park it adds a fun little spark to your park day when you have a cold glass of rosé for sure um we also always bring our brewmate wine slater and hop slaters on vacations and little getaways they're the best by the pool and on top of All of that, they are designed so beautifully. They have all different styles and colors, something for everyone, whether you have that cutesy look you want or more chic or sophisticated, they have it all. Uh, Great gift, by the way. Got one for my dad and one for my dad-in-law. They love it. Don't settle for warm alcohol. Chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit brewmate.com and add code chatty to get 15% off your first order. That's 15% off your first order when you go to B-R-U-M-A-T-E.com and add code chatty. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so what I was going to ask you was when you started dipping into this sexual liberation journey, I want to little, talk a little bit about representation because you are a black woman. You have a shirt that says very black. I do. It's <laughs> really cute. And I wondered if you had a hard time finding like women on Instagram or like people on the internet, you know, um, sexually liberated women. Yeah. Totally. Who weren't white? <laughs> totally. No, actually, um, when I started doing this work, Instagram really wasn't a thing. Like, mm. I mean, this was back in 2011. So, yeah. um, and what was a thing, though, was Tumblr. And oh, yeah. Tumblr was really, really cool. I mean, RIP Tumblr, because it's back like... before yeah. they got <laughs> censored up the it wazoo. It is not the same anymore. Um, but yeah, Tumblr was basically like my place to see representation of my body, my sexuality, and to also like play around with other people's sexual expressions that didn't look super mainstream, even down to the porn I watched. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, it was very rare that I saw myself represented in the porn that I was watching. And so... So Tumblr, oh, again, RIP, was like such an amazing resource for me. And so many of um, my clients as well, uh, if they were looking for 
certain types of porn or erotica, um, even just images of naked bodies, you know, that weren't being sexual, just pictures of a body. It was just really, really good to be like, oh, I'm normal. And here the desires that I have are normal. And here's how someone else expresses their sexuality or their gender. And, you know, like I just... And and that's one of the things that I love so much about Instagram. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with it. Don't we all? Yeah. It's just, uh, that's a topic for another time. But um, one of the things that I do love about it is how easily accessible it is for you to have that sort of sex education. Because back in the day, I didn't have that shit. Or any kind of education. Any kind of education. Curate your experience. Yes. Being able to see people that look like you, hearing conversations that you wouldn't have because you're not in those kinds of communities. Uh, Being able to see your gender uh, expression um, so easily, like, available to your eyes. Like, those things, uh, I, I sometimes I think about, like, when I get in a dark place. I'm like, who would I be if I had had the internet during these times, like in the same way? Cause I mean, I had the internet, right. But like, but who would I be if I had had Instagram when I was 15, it would have changed my entire life. And so as quick as it is, as it is for me to be like, Oh my God, Instagram sucks. I'm always thinking about how the reason why these conversations around sex and sexuality are as um as popular as uh as elevated as they are now is because of the internet like we are working to bring that to the forefront yeah i was actually just thinking about this yesterday instagram has broadened my scope in so many different ways it has allowed me to truly feel like i know and hear someone Mm -hmm. like it's not just a random essay it's like i'm feeling this person's experience and therefore like understanding so much more of where they're coming from whatever the topic is you know and like whatever they're talking about someone who lives in like in a small town where maybe everyone around them looks the same and believes the same thing wouldn't have an opportunity outside of that otherwise and you have this tool now where you're like I can see all different types of people who come from all different places and have all different opinions and a lot of them are wonderful yeah 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 you started speaking or you said it briefly uh about decolonizing Mm. yourself so could you speak to that a little bit yeah so decolonizing and how that has fit into your journey yeah absolutely so decolonizing for me is about unpacking dismantling the white supremacist patriarchal capitalism that is within every facet of my life not just sex but in my relationship and in the way that i think about my body and the way that i spend my my money, like all of these really, um, really important places that we're all sort of at the intersections of within our expressions. And for me, being a queer black femme, like it's really important for me to be able to um, unpack all of that stuff because so much of my own shame and uh, lack of liberation comes from those systemic oppressive forces that tell me that I need to be small. I need to keep my mouth shut. I'm not allowed to be sexual. I'm not allowed to ask for what I want. I'm not allowed to be successful. Um, All of these messages that are being passed down are from that white supremacist patriarchal Mm. capitalism. Uh, And that has been probably the hardest thing to do, I think, of of all the things that I've been doing regarding my own sexual liberation journey is to unlearn those systems because they're so ingrained. They're so inherent. And once you start doing this work, it's like, 
I was talking to a friend about this recently. It's like a layer, like a layer cake. It's like, finally, you get to this layer and you're like, oh, finally, I finally hit this layer. And it's like, oh, wait, there's like five more layers <laughs> underneath here. You know, like it's just it's so compact um, and really dense. But it's been so beautiful for me to just really think about the ways in which like where does white supremacy show up in the sexual expression that I have or where does white supremacy show up in my relationship and what can I do to dismantle that? What sort of things can I do to challenge and shake that up? And those are really, really hard questions to ask yourself, but it's so important that we're all doing that work. Yeah. And I think it presents itself in so many subtle ways that people may not realize they're affected by regardless Mm -hmm. of if they're black, brown or white. And it's like something I, I, I have talked about this so much on the podcast and on Instagram, too. But um, like body hair, for instance, and you're looking at even blonde body hair versus black body hair and so much of the internalized shame that I've had having like black, like. Thick, thick hair in certain yes. parts of my body and how yeah the where is that mindset coming from and why am I looking at white girls with really blonde hair that just looks like it shimmers on their right. legs and I'm like I fucking <laughs> why is that on a pedestal like that for me and yes. where is that centered and where is that coming from yeah. and like fuck and like why is it even now like why are people commenting on my birth video on my pubes and shit like that you know like where does that come from in people and like that I don't think people realize how ingrained and like like you said how many layers that are so beyond just it's like surface. And yeah. I mean, it's, it's not enough to be like, why, why is it so weird for someone who is woman identified to have hair? It's like, why, why, where did that weirdness come from? Mm-hmm. You know, like, where did that originate? How did that like come about? And actually I was, <laughs> I was at an event a couple of nights ago and I was speaking and after I after I stopped speaking, someone came up to me and was like, I just want to say thank you. Cause I, I posted something on my Instagram a few months back about four C pubes, which is like four C is like, there's, there's like a, a sort of like a, a chart when it comes to hair textures. And one is like stick straight Four is like super coily, super like kinky. And, um, I was talking about four C pubes and how very similar to what you were saying, Becca, about how like there's so much body positivity, but anytime we talk about body positivity and body hair, it's like all the hair and all the pubes are so straight and they're so like sparse. And I'm like, I want to shout out all the women and femmes who have four C pubes where it's like not possible for us to have a Brazilian because we would have like fucking ingrown hairs everywhere, you know? And, um, this, this, um, woman that was seeing me speak was like, Oh my God, thank you so much for that like I'm a black woman I have four C pubes and just being able to see that representation like knowing that there are other people who are out there that have four C pubes and I think the way that I styled that photo was really important too because it wasn't just like me sitting you know spread eagle with four C pubes I had a rose that I was holding yeah I remember seeing that yeah really beautiful and sensual Yeah. yeah and so I was trying to bring sensuality to a part of us for a lot of uh, black and brown folks, like we, we feel a lot of shame about because mm-hmm. our pubes don't lay down because our hairs are really dark, you know? Yeah. And you can go down such rabbit holes with this. I was thinking about the other day, like, where does this hairlessness thing come from? And then I was thinking like, well, with white blonde people, they do appear more hairless, like even when they have full body hair. So like, where did this idealization start? Probably with white blonde people as totally. like a lot of shit does. And yeah, actually women, 
uh, didn't used to shave. It wasn't no, like a hundred years ago. No one. Yeah. Did. <laughs> no. The only reason that women started shaving was because uh, the shaving company Gillette actually wanted to make more money. And so they started these ad campaigns talking about how dirty and gross and stinky and smelly it is to have hair and that like the the clean, hygienic woman uh, shaves. I think it also coincided with a world war and mm-hmm. like there weren't m- as many men in the United States. Yeah. So they're like, all right, we got to get razor sales up and yep. you're going to make oh your man God. so much more happy. Yep. If he comes home and you're smooth and you're this and you're that. So they manufactured shame so that they can exploit us and our, and our shame and Oof, our insecurities. Shame. Yep. So that we would oh buy products. God. Isn't that crazy? That's mm-hmm. makes me feel so sick. I had no idea that. Yeah. About that. Many people don't. I think people think, especially the women that I've talked to, they're like, we've been shaving forever. And it's like, actually, no. Like, <laughs> yeah. shaving is a recent Like, your great-great-grandma wasn't. No. Like, right? Not at all. Like, waxing, Brazilian. Yeah, no, exactly. You're like, when you're going to, like, come at me on Instagram and, like, slam <laughs> me about my legs, like, your great-grandma had hairy legs. So, like, back down. Okay? Seriously. <laughs> Seriously, it's so bizarre. Like, when you think about those things and i think that's kind of what decolonization looks like is like really tracing these what would seem to be like trends or like things that have been happening for eons like you trace them back and you realize oh no this was just capitalism Mm -hmm. like this has nothing to do with hygiene it has nothing to do with with like self-love and like mind you i really i always have to say this disclaimer every time i talk about body hair and shaving there's nothing wrong with people who shave like i'm someone who doesn't shave i don't shave my armpits i don't shave my legs i don't shave my happy trail i feel fine doing that for folks who don't feel fine doing that that's okay too Well, and yeah for some people it may be a step in the process of like you're saying decolonize and for my other people it may not and so like if you're journey looks different that's i always say though it's important to really ask those important questions as to why why are you doing this because for me when i thought about shaving and i took a step back and was like okay so why do i shave it was i realized because i felt like i had to like i felt like that's what a feminine person does they shave and to not shave means that i'm masculine and it's like why who the fuck cares you know so for me it was like okay i'm shaving and it's not coming from a place of empowerment it's coming from a place of should uh and i get to choose how i want to live my life i don't want to shave and for some people it might be like i'm shaving because it makes me feel like a bad bitch to have you know hairless legs which i hear you sometimes i miss that sensation too um (laughs) and that's okay too i just think it's important that we all examine these things that we are Um, imposing on ourselves about like this is what femininity is this is what sexuality is this is what sexiness is like you know we don't have to play with those rules yep and i think like yeah being informed is one of the most important Mm -hmm. things people always ask me are you not gonna let your daughter shave i'm like what the fuck no why why what am i gonna (laughs) i mean am i going to make that decision for her and be like this is the root of it so you're not allowed to do that it's all about bodily autonomy you know we get to choose how we express and express ourselves and lives within our bodies and yeah. if i don't want to shave then i don't have to yeah you know are you ready to get into those questions we do got you mind some. so when we yeah. announced that we were having a sexuality doula we got blowed up oh my god <laughs> i'm excited you, and yes oh i was just gonna say do you mind if i ask one question we got a lot when we did our last sex oh, yes, q and a yes because yes, yes. so many people i hear this question all the time I can't orgasm. Uh, tips. Well, we have many, many <laughs> of those were sent. Yes, yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like that's such a multi-layered question. And so Ooh. many people are like, it's that A to B thing of like, I can't come. So how do I, 
how do I get to the point where I can? So my follow-up question is, they can't come when they're having sexual relations. I can't believe I said that. They can't come when they're having <laughs> sexual experiences with other people or... Both. Both. Never have, mm -hmm. okay. and I can't with someone else. So my tips for that would be to explore your body. Like, get a vibrator, get some lube, and, like, set a time and a date on your calendar where you are just going to explore your body. And there's no pressure for you to have an orgasm. It's just for you to get a sense of, like, what sort of sensations feel good to your body, what sort of sensations don't feel good to your body. Uh, I really think that probably one of the reasons why some people can't have an orgasm is because they're too much in their heads and not in their body. And they're probably in their heads thinking like, why can't I have an orgasm? Am I going to have an orgasm? Am I going to come? Did I just come? Like being able to take that energy, drop it down into your body mm -hmm. and do things that remind you like, I have a body. This is what it feels like to rub my fingers on my arms. This is what it feels like to like, um, I don't know, take one time. Actually, I gave an assignment to a client of mine, which was like, this like total sensual experience where they were to get things that had different textures, different smells, ice cubes, warm water, uh, feathers, stuff like that. And they were just to explore like what it felt like to put some moss on their arm. Okay. What does it feel like to hold a stone? What does it feel like to spray rose water on your face? Just to really like activate your senses. Um, and obviously activating your senses doesn't necessarily contribute to an orgasm, but I think it does help you get into your body. And so I always recommend that people like just take some time to like get into your body and explore, get some coconut oil. If you're not sensitive to it, explore your body, explore your vulva, get some, um, some lubes, some sex toys, and just have fun and don't put any pressure on yourself to have an orgasm. Just say like, I'm here to playfully explore whatever mm -hmm. happens, happens. And remember also that orgasm is just one part of a sexual experience. Like sex is a journey. Uh, the orgasm isn't the destination. It's just part of that journey. And so, uh, I, I like to tell people to just sort of take orgasm off of a pedestal and just be like, what does it feel like for me to just give pleasure to my body? Perhaps that is the orgasm. You know, mm -hmm. it's so interesting you say that because there were so many questions that involve, like you said, the orgasm. We got inundated with them the second time. But when you're talking about not making an orgasm, like putting it on that pedestal, it's like the amount of women that were messaging who clearly were feeling this insane amount of pressure to orgasm for their partner was like, oh, my God, like there's there's so many people who are struggling, like just not feeling free to enjoy the experience and right. feeling the pressure of having to do that for their partner. Right. Well, yeah. Can we talk for a second about the sweet or sexy thing of a guy being like, I'm not going to stop till I make you come. Stop doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't think that's hot. No. I think that's like puts pressure on someone yeah. and can be really like intimidating. Oh yeah. I can tell mm -hmm. you anytime I've been with a partner who's like, I'm not going to stop until I make you come. I fake an <laughs> orgasm just so we can get the fuck over <laughs> I'm with. I'm sorry. I don't want to be here for, I, it's not going to happen now. Right. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> you just scared happen. it. So <laughs> for days. So <laughs> literally, literally. Yeah. Uh. I think it's, it's really important to smash this idea that like your sexuality needs to be in service of performing for someone else's pleasure. Mm. And like the moment that I realized that all of my sexual experiences had to do with me considering someone else's pleasure, like I need to make sure that I'm vocalizing in a particular way that's going to get him off. And I need to make sure that like 
um, I'm considering his pleasure. And I mean, obviously, I'm not, you know, telling you to be um, a jerk in the bedroom. <laughs> right. But I think that women naturally we've been like enculturated to prioritize uh, other people's pleasure before our own. Yeah, of course. And our, our sexuality in particular is seen as, um, as a performance, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I stop faking your orgasms, have a conversation with your partner about like what you actually like, what you actually want before you can even talk to your partner about that. You have to figure that out yourself. Like you have to sit down and ask yourself, how do I like to be touched? How do I want, how do I want to feel when I have sex? Like what sort of emotions and experiences do I want to have within the sexual uh, context with this person that I'm having this, these sexual experiences with? Um, those really important questions need to be answered before you can start talking to people about how you want to have sex. You also have to be with someone who's going to be open to feedback. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And you have to be okay with, you know, being too much, like making someone else mad and being like, cause the, the thing that comes up a lot for me is, you know, um, in my, in my work with people is like, okay, so I know what I want, but how do I communicate that with my partner? Yeah. And it's like, you just open your mouth and you communicate it. And if your partner is like, I don't like this, that's a really, <laughs> really great indication that you probably shouldn't be fucking this person, yeah. you know, because if they can't listen to Their you when you say, yes, above yeah, what you need. if they can't listen to you and I'm, I'm sure the people who are having these conversations aren't being like, well, you need to eat me out like this. And I'm so like, <laughs> yeah. they're probably like, hey, yeah. so these are some things that I would like to explore. If your partner's like, that makes me really uncomfortable. I don't want you to tell me what to do. Don't <laughs> fuck that person. <laughs> don't fuck that person. Divorce them. <laughs> now. You heard it from yeah, us. No, <laughs> I mean, I will say everyone can learn. So as, as easy as it is for us to be like, break up with him. It's like, you know, I think just as we all we're all in this like fucked up soup of sexuality sex negativity you know what i mean and so it's important it's hard because it really depends on the person and the situation but like i'm always a proponent of being like listen my partner who you know could be male whatever um may not have had the same kinds of sex talks to make him feel like he can have a conversation with me about this. Like, this is kind of new and weird for him, too. So, like, I think it's important for us to think about how, like, yeah, we're, we're all in this fucked up soup of sex negativity and to have a lot of compassion and give a lot of grace to our partners, too, because that, like, feeling of, like, oh, I don't want to talk about it, that may just be, like, they, they need to also unpack their own sexual shame yeah, as right. well. And maybe you know? no one has ever told them that their, like, sexual performance or their inherent knowledge of what a woman needs is not tied to like right. their masculinity or their right. worth as a partner. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to like put this into one question because this was the other one that we got so many. Oh, I, I can only imagine <laughs> low libido, low libido, mm -hmm. low libido. And it's all, it was coming in all different forms from our listeners, but the general consensus was, I want to change this. I'm not like, mm. I have this low libido and like, why? It's like, I have a low libido, but I want to enjoy um, sex or like sexual activities. How can I help this? You have so many good episodes about this I on your do. podcast, which is actually how I found your podcast. So oh, on The great. Sexually Liberated Woman, you talk a lot. Yes. Uh, about your specific journey. With I would, so I, I encourage would listeners yeah. to dive into those I episodes. I would absolutely tell you to uh, 
listened to those episodes. I wish I can remember what the names were at the top of my head, but I can't. I think I think there's one called High Hopes, Low Desire that's really good that goes into like my own personal theories of why we have low libido, barring any like medical conditions or anything like that. Um, that I think it would be I just it's such an excellent resource for people. Mm-hmm. Um but I so I it's really hard for me to talk about like the low libido thing because for me as someone who does this work I have so many follow-up questions like because I want to know okay so what's going on in your relationship you know like what's going on in your daily life are you really stressed out uh are you going through a lot of transition and change because I know for me my libido fluctuates based on my own stress levels if I'm stressed and I'm stressed right now because I'm trying to move from Portland to Los Angeles my libido is gone and that has nothing to do with me being broken it's just like there needs to be certain um, certain there's there's certain environments where my libido feels free to be able to thrive. And so um, it's it's difficult for me to answer that question without knowing that that follow up information mm-hmm. of like what's going on in your relationship, what's going on in your personal life, what's going on in your body, like what sort of feelings do you have about your body? Because one thing that has come up for me with the clients that I've worked with is like their libido is missing because they don't like their body. And to have sex with yourself or someone else means that you're going to be pretty much naked. And your brain is really magical in that if it thinks that you're going to do something that's going to put you at risk or make you vulnerable, your brain's like, nope, sorry, not having sex. Desire doesn't live between the legs. It lives in your brain. And so it's really important that as we're having these conversations about libido and trying to debunk why your libido is missing, that you think about the things that's happening in your body or in your brain as opposed to your body. Um, I will say for me personally, as someone who has struggled with the fluctuating libido, the thing that has consistently helped me, and I don't know if this is going to be helpful for everyone because it's not legal in all the states, is weed. Weed Mm. has been like, like smoking a little pot has been the one thing that even when there are boxes all over my apartment and I'm stressing out because I'm like, how the fuck am I going to move all of my shit and my precious plants down to Los Angeles? (laughs) I, I smoke weed and it's like... Okay, I'm in my body again, and sex feels more accessible. And so I've actually recommended that to clients of mine, too, who are like, yeah, so I know that it's not my body. I love my body. My my life is really stressful, but mostly what I want to do is just have sex. Like, I just want to get it on. And I'm like, maybe you should try to smoke some pot. But that's not helpful advice for people who, you know, don't have it legalized in their states. Yeah, or maybe who have certain jobs or like can't smoke right. weed and all exactly. that different excess. But I am with you on that one. And it really mm-hmm. helps me, too, because in a way, when you're smoking weed, you sometimes shut out everything else yes. that's going around you. And I've never had such like in-body experiences. Absolutely. I, I did a, um, an episode on my podcast about sex and weed, and it was so fascinating to understand like why it is that weed can really take you out of your head and into Mm. your body and so I kind of see uh weed as plant medicine and not as I I don't use personally I don't use uh cannabis like recreationally like you know my like I was hanging out with friends and they're like passing a joint around for me I smoke weed just for the context of of having sex and um yeah and it's it's been a game changer for my sex life yeah well when you were talking about like it just different context and everything 
there was one specific um, uh, girl. She said, we can say her name, Stacy, And she's talking about how she's on this bipolar medication. Mm. Um, um, however, she's like, I can't tell. It's keeping me stable and oper- helping me operate. However, I don't know if it's uh, my medication or having a baby, a full-time job that I just have zero interest in sex, mm. even though my... Husband is amazing. Um, I don't want to lose the romance. Oh, sounds like all of the above. <laughs> I no, I literally read it and I was like, oh, Stacy, like, girl. Yeah. It's all of that. Like, it you got a like lot on your above. plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sounds like all of the above. I mean, if if I were in Stacy's shoes, I would start by, like, attacking each and every one of those things. Like, mm-hmm. starting with the medication. Talk to your doctor and see if you can find either a different medicine combination or different meds altogether that are going to help help bring that libido back because doctors want to be able to do that for you. If you talk to your doctor and you say, Hey, sex is really important to me. These medications that I'm on are fucking with my libido. Can you help me? They will find something for Mm -hmm. you. So, um, I would start there. I would also start looking at like, um, ways that you can take some of the stress out of your life. I mean, life is so stressful on like even a good day. Can you drop the job, the baby? The, is there anything you can cut out? Yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> is there anything you just cut out of your life? Make or too. like, you know, making some time, just like you time. Like, mm-hmm. is it possible for you to have 30 minutes every single day where you're just by yourself? You know? So we actually had a sex educator on um, to talk about mom sex, and she had a great tip that I'll just re-say. Um, she said, if your partner's wanting to have sex with you, make like a little arrangement where like, okay, I'm going to need 45 minutes to myself beforehand, whether that's to dance, to watch porn, to yes. do whatever I need to do. So you can do the dishes and put the kids down and, you know. Yeah, I'm going to take a bath yeah. and <laughs> I'm going to be playing with my rose wa- or rose chakra, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was such a great tip. And it's like, okay, maybe we can deviate certain responsibilities at certain times so that you can have a Absolutely. moment to step into your body. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Good. Stacey, you don't have to do everything. Mm-hmm. Women, you don't have to do everything. We put it on ourselves. My goodness. <laughs> Stacey, you're not alone. No, no, not at all. And that's the thing all. going through this. So, so many, uh, specifically women were just saying like, hey, my brain is going a thousand miles a minute. Mm. I have so much on my plate and mm. I have a low libido. And so when you're saying that, it's like, oh my goodness, I do think that would hit home for so many people when yeah. you're talking about like, do you have a lot going on? Because <laughs> it's like, that's what it looks like for most all yeah. of the listeners, just so much. The other thing I would add when it comes to like your brain going a million miles a minute is like, what are you thinking about? Like if your brain is keeping you out of having sexual experiences, what what is your brain thinking about? Is it thinking about the way that your body looks? Is it thinking about the most mundane things happening? You know, like I need to buy sugar tomorrow mm-hmm. at the grocery mm-hmm. store. Like really examine where does your mind go? And that's going to tell you a lot about like what sort of things you need to do to begin to bring a little bit more mindfulness. Mm. I know it's like mindfulness, like I'm already thinking enough and I have to bring mindfulness into it. But there is something to being able to say like, oh, I'm thinking about sugar. Let me take a breath and come back into like my body. Like one of one of the easiest ways, uh, especially if you're in the act of sex with yourself or someone else and your mind starts to like go all the way up here is taking a breath and breathing from your genitals, like breathing from your pussy, breathing from your dick, whatever sort of genital combination you have, like being able to drop down into your body and thinking about putting your breath into a particular body part. It doesn't have to be genitals. But if you are in a sexy act, genitals are a really great place. And that way, like, it's like, oh, that's right. I have a body. Because yeah. like sometimes when you're thinking so much, it feels like all you are is a head yeah. on a stick. Oh, God. 
That's you so know? True, yeah. So like breath is, is mm-hmm. the natural equalizer, you know, like it helps us remember that like, I'm a human being. I am in this space. Oh my gosh. I like, I'm in this present moment. Whereas our, our brains can just take us all the way out into all these anxieties. And what you're framing is basic meditation, which Basically, is, yeah. you know, just, I think there's so many misconceptions. You're not blocking anything out. You're just being aware of each thing that comes into your head right? and like taking note of it and redirecting. Right. Um, quick break. Last um, one. Yes, and then we can maybe ask you like one more question. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Um, so Becca and I were literally texting about this product a couple days ago because oh, yeah. we are both so obsessed I with really it. I really like it. Uh, it's one of those products that you get super, super excited about, and I know I've like told everybody about it. It's Meltdown Blemish Treatment by Bloom. Most acne medications leave your skin dry and irritated, I would know, because their active ingredient is benzoyl, benzoyl peroxide. Meltdown by Bloom is different because it's all natural. It's a proprietary blend of essential oils that leaves you with clear glowy skin while minimizing blemishes and clearing up redness i really love it because i actually have started mixing it in with my foundation because i have really really dry skin and this oil one is great for oily skin too because it's not going to leave you over moisturized Mm -hmm. and for dry skin like mine it's great because it's not going to encourage acne and still leaving you glowy and hydrated i really like it and it smells so good too it's a unique blend of essential oils, including black cumin seed, blue tan. Blue tansy's the best. Oh my gosh, rose hip lavender. It leaves your skin glowing, like Becca was saying. I wear it under my makeup, and now since you talked about mixing it in, I've been mixing it in, and I'm obsessed. Yeah. Because it dries clear, um, which is one of my favorite things about it. I can have my makeup on and be clearing up my pimples at the same time. It's perfect. For me, Meltdown reduces the size and redness of a pimple overnight, um, and they'll a lot of times disappear within three to four days. Uh, it's vegan cruelty free pregnancy safe if you don't believe us look at the reviews for yourself they are crazy people rave about how effective it is and meltdown is backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee so you can try it risk-free bloom is a company that is doing great things by providing safe sustainable products to women and girls who believe in the power of their choices right now our listeners will get 25 percent off and free shipping when you text broads to 64,000. that's a special offer you won't get anywhere else and you can support our show when you support our sponsors so text broads to 64,000 to get 25% off meltdown spot treatment by bloom if you don't love it return it for a full refund no questions asked text b-r-o-a-d-s to 64000 okay so this one is um i love this any advice for an 18 year old virgin most of my friends just assume i'm not and i feel awkward telling them Sorry, I had a moment where I'm like, why do you care what your friends think? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that's harsh. And I don't mean it to be that way. But it's like if you first of all, I'll say it again. Virginity is a social construct. Mm. Uh, and second of all, you're allowed to go at your own pace. Yeah. Like if you don't want to have sex right now, that's OK. Uh, and if your friends are giving you shit for that or they're making you feel like you're strange because and I, I understand why that is, because. I think, you know, we we do live in a culture that um, really heralds hookups and and things like that. Uh, But it's more, I'm more interested in folks who are like, these are my boundaries. This Mm -hmm. is what I have set out for myself. This is what I want to do. And this is what I don't want to do. Like that to me is sexual liberation. Like when you stand firm and like who you are what you want what you don't want to do and like you're not going to be shamed for that like that to me is liberation so 
my, I guess that, and I would also maybe challenge your friends about like why it is that it's so weird for you to be a virgin or for you to not have had sex yet. Like, why is that a weird thing? Like we all are going at our own paces. Some people are a little further along, but I don't even want to contribute to the idea that if you have sex, you're further along. It's like <laughs> we all just make different choices and it's okay to be where you're at. I really like that. Yeah. I, I, in the past felt, you know how some people worry about their body count and they want it to be low, which right. is such a disgusting term, but I was around my sexually liberated friends quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was always sort of embarrassed about how, comparatively speaking, how few people I had hooked up with. And I sort of felt like, I'm like, damn, if I want to be sexually liberated, I got to hook up with like this many people at least, or like at least be having casual sex here and there if I want to like mm-hmm. truly be a woman who's sexually liberated mm-hmm. and, you know, have to be having crazy sex, kinky sex, having orgasms all the time. Otherwise, there's something I'm missing out on I in my sexual liberation journey. I hear that so much, and I just want to say it here again, that sexual liberation that comes with the show is not sexual liberation. So if someone is telling you a sexually liberated woman would be having kinky <sighs> sex and having five different partners in their polyamorous relationship and have, like, a kinky swings on their... Like, <laughs> That is not sexual liberation. Sexual liberation is self-defined. It's what you choose within yourself. I have met people who are sexually liberated and they're celibate because they have made a conscious decision to have that sexual boundary with themselves. So like if anyone is ever like, oh, sexually liberated means that you need to be this and this and this and that you should be doing this and that you should have this amount of partners. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Sexual liberation is how you define it. And I think someone who is 18 and hasn't had sex yet, out of a conscious decision to protect themselves or to just be uh, really clear about what they want sexually, that's sexual liberation to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Sorry. (laughs) It it makes me so mad when people like have that shame attached. It's like it's and it's so like. It's, it's not stuff that's coming up within them. It's like people are attacking you based on like how you want to live your life. It's like, girl, live your life, you know, mm-hmm. fuck all those people. Tell them to shut up. <laughs> Get some sex positive friends. I know. You know? I love that. Cause I feel like sometimes when we do these sex episodes, I sometimes like get in the back of my head afterwards. Cause I think about like people I know, um, or even growing up where like there was an active choice to not be having sex. And yet it wasn't like in an oppressive way. It was literally like, this is my decision and I'm choosing not to yeah. at this moment or I'm not ready. And sometimes I'm like, okay, like, I don't want when we're talking like about sex sometimes in certain ways, it's like what you're saying. You can make that choice and be liberated. We have a specific friend who's um, in her 30s and has not had sex. And she's on a healing journey right now with herself. And sometimes some friends try to push her to do things. And I respect her so much because she goes, no, I'm not Mm, ready. Yeah. And she's experiencing her own body Mm -hmm. by herself and is like, I'm not ready to be with someone yet. And she is like so liberated right now. It's so beautiful to see that. And she's not having sex with anyone. Yeah. Actually, I would add that to the whole, like, where is my libido thing is I want to, the first thing that I ask clients of mine who are like, I have a low libido. I want to be having sex. I'm like, do you actually want to be having sex or are Mm. you putting pressure on yourself that you need to be having sex seven times a week with your partner? And usually 
when they ask themselves that question, they're like, oh, actually, I'm okay not having sex right now because I'm being stimulated by so many other things. I hear this a lot from new moms who are like, I am so stimulated by having a kid. I have all these like fucking responsibilities and I'm supposed to be ready to bed my partner. And like being able to ask yourself, like, do you even want to have sex right now? It's like, no. I'm good. That's okay. You know, I think we just really need to examine where it's coming from that tells us that our libidos should be high and that we should be having a crazy amounts of sex. Like sometimes I don't have sex for, for weeks and I'm cool with that. It's so true about how like your self care and, uh, an act of love towards yourself might even be like, let's just say you're single or whatever and not having sex with other people might even be like, I'm going to stop putting pressure on myself to try to masturbate to experience pleasure because I get caught up in that pressure sometimes where Mm -hmm. I'm like, this isn't happening. And then you keep forcing it more and more. And then maybe you're trying to like masturbate or have sex every day. And maybe like even setting a boundary for yourself and be like, look for the next like eight weeks or however long, like I'm not going to push anything with myself. I tell Mm -hmm. my clients all the time, let's take sex off the table or let's take orgasm off the table and just let it just like chill. Cause you've been putting so much pressure on yourself to have sex and to orgasm and to do all these crazy things within the sexual experiences. Like let's just like take sex off the table and just have you experience being in your body and bringing pleasure into your body that doesn't have to do with sex. Because that's another thing. So many of us are only experiencing bodily pleasure in the act of sex, there are many opportunities for us to experience pleasure with our bodies that have nothing to do with sex. Yep. And so we need to be able to like explore that and have a relationship with pleasure, both within sexual context, but especially outside of it. Yep. Love it. All right. Thank Where can we hear more so of your much. Yes, gems of wisdom? Of <laughs> How can people I'm like, I'm can... feeling so empowered right now. I'm not going to have sex for six months. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me more. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, It's been such a pleasure chatting with both of you. Uh, You can find me on Instagram at evian.whitney. I hang out there most of the time. There's really no other social media places that I'm at. Um, E-B-Y-A-N? Yeah. Yeah. Y-A-N. Dot Whitney. Um, You can also listen to my podcast, The Sexually Liberated Woman. That's on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Uh, And if you have any questions for me or you just like want to figure out uh, who I am, the work that I do, you can go to my website, which is evianwhitney.com. And there you will find out what it's like to work with me, uh, some of the courses that I offer and uh, ways to contact me if you have questions. Amazing. And broads per usual, put all that info in the episode notes. So yeah. it's easily accessible. Thank, Thank you. you so much. So Thank much. you it was for a having great me. conversation. Yes, it was so good. All right. Chat soon, broads. Chat soon, broads. Bye.